Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Um, it's a new week and I have a new thriving woman with me. This time I'm talking to Claudia Navarro. Um, Claudia is an HR expert, an EDIS consultant and author who has enjoyed a corporate career in human resources for more than a decade. In 2015, however, she decided to go solo and work with small to medium businesses, actively guiding and shaping their leaders and teams to become more dynamic, cohesive and appreciative of the work their colleagues are responsible for. Fluent in Spanish, English and French, she has enjoyed living around the world, living new and unique opportunities and approaches to human dynamics. Now she has settled in the beautiful suburb of Hawthorne in Melbourne and, war and works with clients in person and via Skype. And I'm so happy to have you here with us today, Claudia. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olga. And it's a pleasure really to be here with you today as well. Yeah, and I'm so excited because, you know, um, originally you are from Mexico. And uh, since I have a husband from Mexico, I know <laughs> a few things uh, around the culture, but also um, I had the pleasure to live uh, in in Latin America. And so um, I'm very, you know, eager to share the story of a Latina here because I feel that there is, you know, so many examples and role models lacking for women, especially in Latin America. I see so many women with so much potential, but who are, you know, not um, taking advantage of it really and not you know like you yourself are going out into the world and creating something something bigger something more fulfilling for themselves and so that's why I'm so happy to have you with us. Thank you Olga and um, yeah you're right I'm also happy to be here for the same reason because I found like every time I talk to my friends or even my mom in Mexico about women that are doing amazing things in other side, other part of the world, there's also like a lack of um, women in mm. examples of women thriving in in Latin America. And I I talk particularly from uh, from Mexico because that's mm -hmm. where I come from and I know more about that in the country. And yeah, so every time I have the opportunity to to really also talk about my experience and my and my story mm -hmm. for to inspire other women particularly for latin america i'm so i'm so thrilled yeah because um what i really love uh you know about your story is that you pretty much went um or left mexico um 
relatively let's say early on in in in, com- in comparison to many many other girls or women in Mexico I would say and you just went really to travel and live in different places all around the world and so how did you actually make that happen for you you know what made you want to go abroad because this is not a very this is probably a dream for many but this is not something that mm. many seriously would pursue because it's not even you know a, an a real possibility in their horizon yeah look um really my my story go, goes back to when i was like a, like a kid probably around seven or eight years old mm-hmm. um my dad used to take us for a holiday to the states mm-hmm. and i always remember that i loved being away and every time that we have to go back to mexico i really struggle mm. like i felt do I really want to do we really need to go back and my parents at that time thought that oh well she's having fun we are on a holiday so of course she doesn't want to go back but um I remember yeah looking at the window when I was flying like almost landing to Mexico and just saying to myself like do we really have to go back Mm. and I, I never felt like, I never saw myself living in Mexico for a long period of time, mm-hmm. like all my life. So it was really early on where I was motivated to try and do different things and experience a different way of living. So it was until I finished college and mm-hmm. started working that I actively started to look for opportunities mm-hmm. to to move and see which countries allow us to move legally, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to 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 apply for like a kind of like a permanent residency at mm-hmm. that time, and we were looking for yeah the countries that we were were allowing us to to do that, and that's how Australia was in the in the map. Mm. So, but what do you think? Um, you know. Where did you learn that really, let's say, this world is so open for you? And where do you think did you get this, you know, this really desire at such a young age to, and also like the knowing, the inner knowing that, you know, I can't see myself living here because as a kid, you know, I think most kids don't even think about it so much. So is it something that you've seen, is it really from from the vacations that you took with your family or things that you've seen on TV? Or what do you think has like sparked this in you? I think uh, a couple of things were for Mm -hmm. me. The first one is definitely experiencing new things Mm -hmm. from an early age. So just different ways of living and perspective. So you start to compare what you have to what you can potentially have. So that was definitely one. And the other thing is when I was at school, I saw these books and I remember reading books where I saw um, like parks, like very like green mm-hmm. open parks and I thought to myself I really want to run one day in, in one of these parks and and maybe just um yeah just like just a feeling of being free and I mm. couldn't see I, I didn't see anything like that in Mexico so I think that was the first thing that really started to tickle me like yeah. inspire me to to just do something and and go for something different nice Yeah, I can, I, 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 like, I can imagine because for anybody who especially hasn't been to Mexico City where you are from or let's say the, the bigger metropolitan area, it's like there, 
each house is next to each other there is almost no green you know yeah parks or many trees it's like very a rarity and um, I can so understand where this might you know be very attractive especially as a little kid when you want to go out and and play much right and so how how has been let's say your let's say your travel experience so far because I think you've you've lived in other places before you made the decision to go to Australia Yeah, that's right. So I was fortunate enough to, when I finished um, the high school, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. So my parents sent me to France for six months. Mm -hmm. And then I lived also in the States for six months. Mm -hmm. So I took that sabbatical. And then I came back to Mexico City. And, well, to, yeah, to Mexico. And then I studied college. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I had to do that. My, my dad said to me, like, that's sort of like kind of the condition, like you go to, to take your sabbatical, I'll pay for that. But then you come and study your career. And then after the career, after finishing the career and working for a, few, for a couple of years, then again, that um, feeling of I want to go somewhere else continued and then we lived in Sweden so my back then boyfriend and our husband mm -hmm. um, we applied he applied for a a, a scholarship in Sweden mm -hmm. and he got it so we lived in Sweden for a couple of years and then we moved to Australia very nice and we're like because I think Why do you think was it also important for your parents to foster this to, for example, send you to France or send you to the U.S.? Because, I mean, for many for many families, I think not only in Mexico, but overall in Latin America and probably also in enough other places around the world, resources is a very limiting thing. But um, yeah. I've seen, you know, families that, let's say, they're not super well off, but, for example... Uh, my husband's dad is also always like this. If I, you know, I want to um, create certain experiences for my children, I want them to have those opportunities. And even if we don't have the resources now, we're going to see how we're going to make that happen. Um, so what do you think was it so important for your parents? And also, how do you think would your life be if it wasn't be if it hadn't been for the support of them and them you know helping mm. you to to um, create those opportunities yeah look I think mainly it was my dad mm -hmm. I think he had the idea of you have kids and you love them you love them and you care for them but then you let them go mm. and he's a big advocate of that um, so I think for him was really also important for us to experience other ways of living mm -hmm. I think deep down they didn't really want me oh they didn't really expect me to move yeah. to move particularly my mom I think she didn't really expect that to happen mm. but I think for my dad was because he's more like he's pretty laid back in that sense he says like I will give you the tools and then you'll decide what you want to do with your mm. with your life so um, I think that's Basically, yeah, like he played a huge part mm -hmm. on, on that regard because obviously he's, he supported us financially. Yeah. Um, and what would my life be without that? I think it would be very different, really. Mm. Because if I wouldn't have traveled, maybe I wouldn't have experienced that at a very early age and I wouldn't really even know the difference. Yeah. 
Um, and probably I will still, still be in Mexico, to be honest, if mm. it wasn't for their support. Because as you probably know, uh, in Mexico, it's not a culture where people migrate unless you are in a very challenging situation yeah. and the demographics probably. <laughs> so it's different. People with like low um, income, they probably migrate to the States. But apart from that, not many people do it because it, it's yeah. hard. And and you have this culture of, of the family. It's very strong. Yeah. So... Yeah, definitely. I, I think if he if it wasn't because of his support, I would still be living in Mexico. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think from from just the things that I've seen, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm I didn't grow up t like the typical German either. But let's say in Germany, I would say, um, they foster a lot this independence and um, yeah, let's say. Um, kids to take to make their own decisions a lot and so in Mexico it's usually like I see so many so many friends of my husband you know living with their parents until they're 30 and it's not acceptable yeah. for them to move out if they aren't uh, married yet and um, I mean besides the fact that even if you would like to move out it's very challenging to live off that salary pay pay, pay a flat for yourself and make a living you know but um, still it's very conservative And so, um, yes. from your experience, you know, what would you, what advice could you give to other, let's say, young, young women who have this dream, who maybe are dreaming of going somewhere else, but think, you know, this is just not possible. What is something that you could, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tell them or recommend them? Look, I think if you really want something, it's definitely possible because you will find a way. And I mean, even though like my dad support, supported mm -hmm. me in, in like early stages and, and paid for a lot of the things for my travels, when I was about to move like for myself, I had to find a way, like financially I had to do it. Mm -hmm. My, yeah, I have to do it for, for myself. So I think if someone really wants, there's always away mm -hmm. and there's always like with the internet now you can find everything there right so if you really want it you can do your research you can connect with people that have done that as well so you can mm -hmm. ask them questions about how was it for them how what are the ways to do that in a better in an easier way um and really just to trust yourself like if you want to do it then then go for it and find the people that can help you to to achieve that. I love that. And so what then made you, you know, decide to go to Australia? Because now you've been there for 10 years. So it seems like you really yes. enjoy living there. But what made you go there in the first place? What was the motivation behind it? Bes let's say besides uh, the, the visa um, opportunities? Yes. Um, Australia at that time because I mean I've been living here for for 10 years but in reality we started the application probably about 15 years ago oh, wow. so it's been a while yeah because by the time you start getting all the documentation and, and the papers and waiting time etc so yeah probably about 15 years and at that time it seemed like a very exotic country for me mm -hmm. like not many people know, knew about Australia and um, you know, the Opera House, that's what many people know about as well. Um, and it seemed like a really 
beautiful country in terms of nature, but mm-hmm. at the same time, from doing the research, Melbourne seemed like a very similar to Europe in many ways in terms of like food and atmosphere mm. and events. So that that was really the um, the and the weather as well. It played a huge <laughs> role. The weather. Yeah, this is this is something that my husband keeps telling me also. Like he does not like the weather much in in Germany because of the winter, and uh, so yes. it's like a very critical thing for him. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't mind the cold. I actually like it. But I mean, if it's more than six months of like really <laughs> cold and maybe snow, I, I definitely will struggle every year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, those were the things that really made me like made us look at Australia and come here. And so how do you, how do you, because it's so far, I mean, we, we've just been to Australia last year and it's been also a dream of mine for such a long time, but then you really realize, you know, it's really far away from everything. Like you're far, yes. I mean, it's a, a long <laughs> flight to Mexico, to North America, but it's also a very long flight for me to, to Europe. So how do you deal with being so far away, especially since, you know, family and uh, family closeness is really such an important thing for, mm. for Latinos in general? Yeah. Look, we, uh, I mean, I talk to my parents quite often, like Mm -hmm. via uh, Skype and WhatsApp, but in terms of actually going there, we try to go every two and a half years or three Mm. years. And to be honest, like when we moved from Mexico, we knew that we were not going to be back every year. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. why would you move? Yeah. So, I mean, Two and a half years to go there, it's, I think it's reasonable for us and it works for us. Mm-hmm. So that's how we deal with, with, the, with the distance, really. Yeah. And my parents also come as well. Ah, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. So they've been, yeah, actually they come more often than we go, to be honest. Yeah. But I mean, this is this is wonderful because um, usually when when you move somewhere else, then you're the one always going going back. I feel, gotcha. and uh, <laughs> at least more than you know the the people from or your family or friends or whatever from your country coming to visit you. So I feel this is a very nice thing that they're actually doing, and also a great experience for them to let's say open their horizon and see new things because that makes a huge difference. I think as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the first time that my mom came, she said like, "Oh, now I know why you don't want to go back." And that's <laughs> fine. Like it, it's great. Like you are fine. <laughs> and yeah. So, and so traveling and especially like living all around the world, I feel is such a big, big dream for many people nowadays. But what are some challenges or? you'd say downsides that people, you know, might forget about because it's not all just, um, you know, shiny and uh, great experiences all the time. And if you do it for a longer period of time, it can become quite exhausting. Um, So what has been your experience with that? Yeah, Um, really there's... uh three main challenges that I that I see or were for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is like, when you live in your country, you already build your relationships for like mm. 20 plus year or whatever, however many years you are there, right? And you know how things work, but particularly their relationships and you take them for granted. But when you move to a new place, it's like you have to start from scratch. Mm. You don't know anyone. No one knows you. They don't know your work ethic. You don't have any 
any um, people really telling you like um, do this and do that. So it's sort of like yeah, you have to start from scratch. Yeah, all the, like all the time and building your relationship. So it can be quite lonely at the beginning, particularly the, the first years. Um, the other thing that was seemed also quite like people tend to forget about the challenges is that the sense of belonging, particularly at the beginning mm. as well. Um, for the first couple of years, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't belong here, but I didn't belong in Mexico either. Mm. So it's almost like you are in limbo, like because there's nothing like that will connect you with your friends apart from your past. Mm-hmm. But then again, you start building the relationship. So the relationships that you are building in your new country are probably not as uh, deeper as your previous ones. Yeah. So it's just like that sense of you don't belong anywhere. That's also like a big of a challenge mm-hmm. too. Um, and definitely the support. Like when you don't have your family, when you are far away from all your network yeah. and you are by yourself and – I mean, if you are sick, like there's no one that you look yeah. up to you or make you a soup or anything, or if you are going to move houses and you need help with the packing or you have kids and you need help with the kids, then you have to rely on yourself. And and if you have your partner, then, well, your partner, but that's about it. So, yeah, yeah I think those were the critical things that um, sometimes people forget and they take for granted, but sometimes they are challenged when you are in a country that it's not yours yeah totally and what do you think you know from maybe your your skill side or mindset what has helped you to to overcome this or deal with them to create you know to create a new network to create like this feeling of belongingness what is something that you find is really essential if you want to let's say move or travel and um you know really be or feel 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 great being there in that place Yeah, I think for me it was definitely to be open to mm-hmm. any like new experiences and new people. And I remember one when I uh, went to live in, in France, um, the lady in the agency, because mm-hmm. we did everything through an agency, she gave me this advice and she said to me, look, Claudia, you will find people that um, are from Mexico or other countries that speak Spanish. But please don't hang out with them. You already know Spanish and you don't need to learn any more Spanish. So just go and create relationships with people that are from other countries, particularly from France. Mm -hmm. And that advice really stayed with me because it's true, right? So we did the same here. And I I think if you are going to move to a new country, then definitely you need to be open and ready to start um, hanging out with people that are not your tribe. Mm. Because that's, that's the best way to start your yeah. new relationships in your new country. Um, and the adaptability as well, like being able to quickly adapt to new challenges and and um, embrace that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that was key for me to establish in the new, when I was moving into new countries. And rely on that like having this mindset of I can make this happen so whatever mm. life will throw at you you'll find a way and you'll make it happen 
I think were those uh, the key elements. And do you think, um, I mean, um, let's, let's shift also a little bit into your professional experience because I think it goes kind of hand in mm. hand. Do you think that having made those, let's say, learnings um, from moving quite often um, have helped you actually in start your business? Mm, I would say yes, definitely, yeah. Because when I started my business, again, everything was so uncertain. Yeah. And I actually started in, in, in a time where um, I had my first baby. So oh. everything was new to me. I was raising this baby, having this new business. So definitely being able to adapt and having the mindset of, yes, I got this and I will make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, elements. Yeah. yeah. And how did you actually get to that point where you wanted to start a business? So tell us a little bit about your professional path. How did you how did you come to that point? Because I mentioned in the beginning you have over uh, a decade of uh, experience in human resources. But um, yeah, how has it developed your path? And how has it led you to that point where you said, you know, um, I think I really want to go with doing it on my own? Yeah, sure. Look, after leaving Mexico, and when I was living in Sweden and at the beginning of Australia, mm -hmm. I had a bit of uh, different roles and more like informal because when you move to a new country, you have to start from scratch. Yeah. So my my career wasn't really all the time in HR. I mm -hmm. did different roles along the way. More when I say informal, I meant uh, I mean I, I was doing babysitting. I was waitressing. Mm. Um, I even deliver like newspapers mm -hmm. so and work the yellow pages. But then when I was able to land my first um, HR role in Australia, um, it wasn't my ideal role, mm -hmm. but it, I knew it was the first like the first step to mm. where I wanted to be, which which was in the learning and development um, department. Mm -hmm. So, Then, yeah, once I was in HR Incorporate here in Australia, uh, it started to occur the idea that I really wanted to start opening my own business. And, but the idea was there. I, I, I didn't even do anything. So mm -hmm. I did like coaching courses and I went to like other trainings and everything, but nothing really formal mm -hmm. until I was about to have my, my baby. Like I was on going on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. um, at that time I really didn't like where the business was going and all the changes that were happening mm -hmm. and I thought well if I don't do it now probably I won't do it ever mm -hmm. because you get very comfortable or I will get very comfortable you know um, yes probably going maternity leave and finding a new job but then it would be the same yeah. um, so I thought it's just like sort of like now or never and mm. I did it And was there any particular moment where, you know, you you know that, you know, that was the, the moment that you made the decision or that you were like, okay, like you said, if I don't do it now, I might do it never. So, heck, let's just do it. Was there a particular moment or was it just like, let's say, an accumulation of uh, different moments adding up to that? For me, it was an accumulation of different moments yeah mm -hmm. that build up to that I think it wasn't until my baby was about four months old mm -hmm. that 
um, there were some changes in the uh, structural changes in the business mm-hmm. or the company mm-hmm. at that time, and uh, the changes, yeah, were not beneficial to or where I wanted to take my career. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I said, no, that's it. I'm just going for it. Um, this is a perfect opportunity. But definitely, there were moments building up to that. Before mm-hmm. going on maternity leave, mm-hmm. I had the idea. I said to myself, I'm going to start building this mm-hmm. now that I'm on maternity leave um, so I don't have to go back. And the timing didn't really work that way. It had to be earlier. But yeah. then again, it was the decision. I It was made earlier anyways. But, yeah, but that's very cool. And um, some, I feel sometimes... Um, It seems like, you know, things uh, are happening or, yeah, against us or not in our favors, let's say. But then really it's like if, let's say, I feel like if, if it hadn't been for this restructuring or, you know, yeah, in, in, in the corporation, like you said, maybe you wouldn't have taken that chance. Maybe you would have just, you know, continued on thinking about it. And then, uh, like you said, uh stayed in a comfort zone i don't know but i I really i really believe in this thing like you know the universe or god or whatever you want to to name it like working in our favor and giving us like this the signs like things are happening for a reason and so um and so what is your work actually now focusing on or your company so I'm now focusing in helping small to medium businesses as you said Mm -hmm. and even like people like solopreneurs who really don't have that HR support um, in-house mm. and I help them to like a different range from a, uh, from a HR perspective. So establishing recruitment processes, helping them with the team if they already have like a people problem. So they mm-hmm. are more established businesses with the team. So if they don't get along very well, I help them with that. Setting up KPIs, helping them uh hire their first employee yeah. so it's a range of things from HR perspective okay and how did you find you know how did you find that opportunity or the need for that because so often I hear like you know when I when I talk to friends especially it's like you know I'm interested in xyz but there is no potential like I can't make a living out of that and um, yeah. I always feel like you know there's really opportunity in everything it just depends on you know um, how you approach it but how did you get this um, you know that insight basically for yourself or the idea that you know this could be a really huge thing and I could help a lot of people with that yeah Look, for me, it wasn't as easy and straightforward, yeah. as, as straightforward as it sounds now. It actually, I started as a leadership coach. Mm-hmm. So I was, I said to myself, oh, I'm just going to do this leadership coaching because at that time it sounded great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was like a, a, like a boom in terms of mm-hmm. leadership. And I said, well, I've been advising leaders anyway, so I'm just going to do it. And actually... In that niche, it didn't really happen for me in the way that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But my expertise as an HR was still needed. So I was still, even though I was targeting HR, like I'm doing HR coach, uh, executive coaching, mm-hmm. my, the clients that I've got mm-hmm. were more like inclined to doing the HR stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until... I stop and think like, where do I want to take my business? So that was like late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and really saying, well, which clients I am actually serving mm-hmm. and what kind of work I'm doing. And I saw clearly 
the mismatch between what I'm saying I'm doing mm. versus what I'm actually doing. And then I, I was like, okay, so it's very clear now. So if I'm doing this work anyways, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say it that, that, like that. So for me, um, it, it did, I didn't really see the need of a HR at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Although I think it, it, it's there, it's clearly there. Like, like a lot of, as I said, like small uh, to medium businesses or um, solopreneurs who are transferring and moving to a more a CEO position mm. and hiring new people, they need that support. I didn't see that clearly back then until recently. So, and now that I see it, I think there's more opportunities coming up and opening a scene. Yes, um, this business is actually in need of hiring new people, helping you help. Mm. But I think this is very important. And thank you so much for mentioning this, because this is also something that I personally have experienced over the last two years. And, you know, it's like you have to start, I feel like, just with an idea. And then, you know, some mm. slowly but surely, you know, take one step after the other and really, you know, work your way through it. Because you're right, I think most people probably will not find the, let's say, the thing that they will work on ultimately. But you have to, t- you have to make those experiences and, you know, step by step, narrow it down and see like, because with everything that you also do, you know, it gives you a new, a new experience. Uh, you, you see different things. You can say like, oh, this is what I liked about it. Oh, this is what I didn't like about it. And, you know, take your step um, or your path from there. Yes, totally. Yeah, totally. You have to start somewhere. And I mean, if if I wouldn't start it as an executive uh, coaching, mm-hmm. I would still be probably just thinking about an idea that I had and I think that would work. And even though at some point I was thinking, oh, I'm just wasting all this time and nothing mm. is happening. Some things have, were happening in the background, but I just didn't see them. So, yes, you have to take steps and you have to do things and make things happen in order for you to start getting the clarity. And, and, and I mean, every business will evolve anyway. So I was afraid at the beginning to say, oh, I was doing executive coaching and I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I just felt like my business is just not, not, not doing great. And then I thought, no, it's just like, it's evolving it's just something different and I feel so also more connected to now HR because that's my background anyway yeah. so yeah and yeah. I love what you just said like and this is something that I, I totally agree and something also happened to me it's like you feel that nothing is happening and you're not moving forward but really in the background there's a lot of things going on and you really mm-hmm like sometimes we're just blind to you know what is happening right now it's literally like steve jobs said you know connecting the dots but you're only able to do that afterwards you can't do that in that moment and um just really even even just the 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 let's say if it's just about you you know developing yourself about getting to know yourself better this is already such a huge learning that we cannot underestimate, even if it didn't produce you any, let's say, money, revenue, whatever, followers, something like uh, tangible or measurable. But if you are evolving as a person, I think this is the most valuable thing. Oh, absolutely. Yes, 
And I got actually goosebumps when you said that. Yeah, because <laughs> then when you evolve as a person, then you take that experience within you and then you're able to transfer that somewhere else. So you never know where you, you, where you will end up. Yeah. But if you change as a person, continue to evolve, then that's a great gift in itself. Yeah. And so what do you, what do you think were some some of your fears or worries when you started on that path even when you just decided you know I'm going to start this as an executive coach or a leader leadership mm -hmm. coach what were some of the worries because I feel I don't feel like I know this is the thing that holds us all back right the the negative chatter in our, in our head around yeah. oh you're not good enough yet and this is not gonna work and blah 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 so and I, I just want everybody to always you know know every one of us is struggling with those things nobody is like oh yeah I've got this in the bag and you know uh, <laughs> 1000% confidence so what were some of the worries and fears that you had back then yeah um The first one is that how am I gonna make it happen when I'm not where I have an accent? Because I've always mm. been very self-aware of my accent mm -hmm. in that I'm not from like English is not my mm -hmm. my my native language and people will notice. Mm. So if I'm going to do executive or leadership coaching, mm -hmm. people will see that I'm not from here, therefore I'm not a leader or they will not take me seriously and that was massive like mm. I have to deal I have to work on that like a lot um yeah that was a big one for me um the other one is definitely um having this baby I'm not generating any income we have to rely on one income only and how is that gonna work mm. so the fine like the financial aspect of it was another fear of mine like yeah like a big one and yeah those were the main of course along the way you get so many fears but those ones were like the biggest ones for me and how were you able what helped you to you know eventually overcome those um the english one or my mm -hmm. accent is something that i've been working on for like years and I actually started to put myself more in like spotlight mm. so I've joined like a business network group where we, we we met every week and had to speak and every time I was like um speaking or something mm. I was like well this is my second language and it's okay No one is perfect. Um, at least I'm giving it a go. Yeah. So there was a lot of talking myself up mm -hmm. and start to overcome that. So and and say like, look, I might not be able to lose my accent, like like never. So I better embrace it. Yeah. So it was like constantly. It didn't happen just as I say like just like in a snapshot. Like um, it just it was just like all the time just um, getting myself con comfortable with that. Um, and the finances, it was really reviewing, okay, so which words are my expenses? Mm. Um, how much are we, yeah, so this is my the money that we earn, this is the money that we spend, how much do we have to leave, how much, um, you're just really keeping an eye on the money just mm. to make sure that we have enough to cover ourselves. So, yeah. so that's how I tackle that. 
And you know, and, and putting my deadline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, by this time I need to make this amount of money, or I have to do something different. Mm. And really, it's like if you think about it, you know, the accent. I feel like, and this is happening. Let's say for me, it's uh, what I what I very often encounter is like uh, people calling me on on my first name because I have a very typical last german name because my family is german yeah but uh for let's say most europeans if i say oh hi my name is olga then i get like oh yeah do you have anything like to do with russia or you know something like that and that like really gets me like i i hate that that people that's the first thing that they conclude to but then eventually it's like you know with an accent the same it's not about what people think about it it's you know what story am i generating internally about what they might think yeah. or what value they attribute to me because i feel like i personally always felt like you know they're lowering my value what i'm capable of etc etc but when you think about it you know the value that you would provide professionally has nothing to do with how you speak i mean <laughs> <laughs> and and I know that you know it sounds yeah. it sounds easy to say and it makes logical sense for everybody maybe everybody else listening but when you are in that situation yourself your mind is trained to to just pay attention to that right and to say like this is different yeah. and uh, it's maybe even a negative different but you know sometimes I think we just have to ask ourselves you know actually what is the story when that happens to you and whether it's for 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 me it's my name whether for you it's the accent for somebody else's maybe the way they look or their experience it's really like going in and looking at like what is the story that I'm you know creating myself right now about yes. those people about what that means and really think you know is that really true no it's not true <laughs> Uh, yeah are there people who are you know successful with crazy names or you know different accents and it does not even matter yes they are so you know it's really about like you say embracing it and putting yourself in the spotlight and um you know starting to focus on different things i love that yeah totally and how is also like how is this story contributing to my success or not mm. so Yeah, because, I mean, as you said, like, most of the times, the stories that we tell ourselves are not real. Yeah. Like, it's just like an excuse or a way to protect us, but nothing, nothing else. So, yeah, totally. And so now you've had, like, a lot of experience working with leaders from your coaching, but also now from... Um, let's say, the new business of um, Inspiral Consulting. That's the name of your company. Um, so what do you think many leaders are actually doing wrong? I mean, or falling short of, better said, because, um, because I think there's still really a lot of potential for... Because one thing is being a manager, another thing is being a leader, <laughs> right? And so... Sure, yes. And so... What is what are may, maybe many managers or executives falling short of in becoming real leaders? And is there anything that you identify particularly in women? Yeah, I think um, I see this in the corporate world, mm -hmm. and I see also these in in like small businesses where people are really good at what they do. Mm -hmm. They are amazing, and let's say it's corporate, so they are promoted into a into a higher position so now they have to manage a team but 
when we transfer them to that position, we don't offer them any support or any mm. guidance because it's a completely different game when you are just doing your job and you're great at that than when you are managing someone mm-hmm. or leading someone. And that it's not like a like a like a um, straightforward transfer. So you are good at your job and then just you're good with people. Mm-hmm. So I think in general, we are lacking of providing that support to them and ensuring that the transition to now leading a team and getting those soft skills, which I actually don't like to call them soft skills because they are not. I think they're critical skills. Mm. They didn't have them. So I think that's that's big one. Um, and in terms of women in leadership, I think still women... Um, probably they are not. They don't take as many risks mm-hmm. as men. They probably tend to follow. Just you know, they don't want to rock the boat and just continue doing what they are doing. And mm. and, and they are great leaders in the sense that they can be empath, empathetic. They can mm-hmm. communicate really well. But then again, there's nothing um, when when it comes to taking risks. Probably they are not as big as men Mm. in in that regard. And what do you think are some of the things that really each of us can, you know, do to improve our leadership? Because for me personally, in the end, it's, you know, we're all leaders if you want to or not. But even if you're not a leader in your corporation, you are the leader of your life. And so it is all on you on navigating the life where you want it to go. And um, so what are some things from your experience that maybe it's even simple things, right? Or the simpler, the better. But uh, what are some things that we all can do to become better leaders for ourselves? Yeah, sure. And I think that's a great question. Um, I think one of the big ones is for me, um, and I've actually put it on my, on the book, um, it's really trust. Like we tend to see trust as in I trust others, but I actually turn it to say like, do you actually trust yourself? Like mm. if if you were to to if you commit to something, are you trusting yourself that you're actually gonna go and do it? Mm. Um, if you said that you are um, eating like healthier food, like you trust yourself that you're actually going to continue doing that. Mm. So I think that's. That's a big one. Like when you start to building your trust in yourself, then all the things just happen. Mm. Um, and the other one that I think also is quite simple yet not that easy is to take accountability. Mm-hmm. So and really um, take take the driver's seat of your life. So if you want to make if you want to change your career or if you want to start a new um, uh, study something or whatever you want to do, it's just taking that accountability and and make things happen for you. Mm. This is probably um, also my experience from coaching, like one of the hardest things, become accountable for yourself. Like really mm. stick to, you know, what we propose ourselves and uh, follow through and um, sometimes I feel like yeah it's like you said you have to set yourself a deadline you have to set yourself some 
really hard goals or timelines because otherwise you know your mind will justify oh yeah you just do it tomorrow or something like that right but i feel then also at the same time we need to be um self-nurturing or self-forgiving in that sense that when you don't hit that deadline you know it does not mean that you're a failure or that um you know oh you didn't complete the let's say the first step or the first goal and now it's it's all going to shit no that's not it but you know <laughs> just use it both as like you know um like the carrot stick in the in the stick it's just like move it to f move forward but then don't beat yourself down when you, you you didn't do it like at the first try i think what do you think yeah so i i, I agree i think it's like it's not like an all or nothing thing mm. because really life is not like that right it's not like a, it's not black or white it's just a combination of things so yes so you might probably Uh, you have a deadline and obviously it didn't happen then okay so why it didn't happen ask mm. those questions like why it didn't happen how can I make it happen and then just make changes accordingly and then just continue because I say um, it's better to take small steps than don't take any so yeah yeah progress definitely absolutely And so one thing that I also admire about your story, you have, you actually published a book uh, or written a book and in this niche and it's called The Power of Engagement, Transforming Business Results and Inspiring Your Employees. And so yes. I'm curious, like where, where did you get the idea for the book <laughs> and um, how have you actually been able to, you know, create exceptional business results for yourself? Mm. Um, the idea started when I was doing my latest HR role. So I was doing the business partnering role. Mm -hmm. And that means that I was advising managers um, in anything related to HR. But many managers will come to me and say, look, my employees are underperforming or they are having this behavior issue. What do I need to do? Oh, I actually don't need, I don't know how to provide feedback in the right way. Mm. How can I do that? And I saw every time that these things were happening, it had little to do with the employee, mm -hmm. but it had most to do with the manager or the leader at that time. Because either they were not communicating properly, mm -hmm. they were giving directions to do something, but they didn't follow through. Um, or... They were not providing, yes, feedback at all. Mm. Uh, they were like putting things under the carpet, saying like, oh, uh, that thing's not happening. That The person may be resigned and it's okay. So mm. they were not really dealing with the situation. And I thought, okay, so it's not about the things that you will do that will change someone's behavior. It's actually, you have to set, you have to lead by example. And so mm -hmm. you have to, Uh, look at what you are actually doing and how your behavior is contributing to your employee doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's how the idea started for my book. So I wanted to give um, a book. I, I wanted to, lead, to give this book to leaders so they can actually do more like an introspection of mm -hmm. the things that are important but that were related to them. So... 
I start to put some these like some cases and strategies into that actually people can look for themselves so they can transfer that to or communicate that with with the employees. So that's how the idea started to oh, started with the I love this yeah. because I feel this is so important also from having had different work experiences. And yeah, usually it's like, you know, oh, I have my employees are so complicated or they're difficult or they, you know, they don't want to cooperate. And it's always like you say, like pinpointing to others. But then it's like, okay, so, you know, what are you contributing to that situation? Um, what is something that you can actually do to make it better, not expected from the other person? So I feel like this is such a valuable thing for people to have out there. Yeah, thank you. And so, yeah, how so, did how were you able to transfer that or yeah implement it into your business to create results that you find exceptional for yourself? Yeah, um, I, I don't have employees myself, mm -hmm. but I apply the same principles when I'm meeting with clients and people, and mm -hmm. that's, I mean, one of the chapters is about listening. So listen up, and when I meet with clients, then that's what I have to do, like. I have to go and actually actively listen to what they have to say. Mm. I need to look off what's the preferred way of communicating. Are they more like uh, objective, direct to the point? Um, or do I need to provide them more like a process and guidance? Um, do I actually need to call out the things that I think won't work mm. instead of me just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same principles I I'm applying to my clients anyway when I'm when I'm helping them mm -hmm. through the different processes. So that's how the book in itself has helped me. That's great. Yeah. And what do you think um, other other than those uh, points that you just mentioned has really, you know, maybe also on the personal side has helped you to not only, let's say, start the business successfully, but also, you know, grow, like continue growing it and get to a level where um, you feel like, mm, you know, you're, you're satisfied with the level of, of let's say, um, revenue or cash flow that it's producing for yourself, uh, for your living situation. So what are some of the, let's say, personal success, success factors that you uh, contribute to? Um, your growth and your development of the company too? I think for me, in, in, in regards to the book, um, it was for me like an like a way for people to get to know me more. Mm -hmm. And obviously that provides me a better opportunity as well. So that will help me also with the credibility mm -hmm. for sure. So, and I mean, writing a book in itself, it's, it's a, It's, it's a challenge. Yeah, I thought like it was easy, but definitely <clears throat> it wasn't. So um, the book is for me more like in terms of getting my credibility out there so people can find me um, and what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's, that makes it easier. So I, it's, it's, it's a way for me to, to give also to, to them to, to have something that they could, um, if they are not ready to work with me, then they, they can have it and then they can use it as, as their tools. Yeah. And so what are um, some things that, I mean, for people, because I'm sure we also have many people listening who really are also, let's say, 
uh, intrigued by doing or creating a corporate career, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. So I feel like everybody needs to pursue the path that is right for them. And so people who want to make a career in, in the classical corporate world, especially for us women, is there something that, you know, you feel we must do uh, or we should pay attention to in order for us to really, you know, thrive quicker and especially not get overlooked when, you know, positions are being, uh, you know, uh, handed out, let's say, or are filled up um, to not end up as the, let's say, corner office girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely is uh, for women, yeah, particularly. I think it's really, really important to ask for what you want mm. and be comfortable to talk about your achievements or mm. yeah how you say like you, yeah. you need to just blow your own trumpet because i in my experience i have found that women are incredible at work and many of them are like super achievers but unfortunately they wait until someone will come and notice them and tap them on the shoulder and said mm. hey i have a promotion for you do you want to take it And in the corporate world, that, that, that doesn't work. And I think in general, that doesn't work either. Uh, it's not only particular to corporate, but um, yeah, like women actually have to go and actually be proud of their achievements mm -hmm. and, and ask, like talk about them and definitely ask for, ask for what they want. Be, be okay to, to start connecting with senior leaders and just from a human level doesn't necessarily be to be um from a work perspective mm -hmm. but just a human level and and yeah be okay to to start mingling and connecting because really promotions won't happen to you only because you are sitting at your desk doing your job that's mm. that's not the way yeah and i mean It's just, I mean, this is also something that I'm learning, but really it's like when you know it from yourself, if you go to, to a, a supermarket or something like that, you won't buy the product that might be the best one, <laughs> has the best ingredients, best packaging, whatever, but you don't know about it. You've never heard about it. You will, you will take the one that you've at least heard, I don't know, a couple of times, you know, buy this, whatever, ketchup, for example, X, Y, Z. You'll buy that. And so if people don't know about you and if they don't know what you're capable of, how are we expecting them to promote you or consider you? Like, this, exactly. it's, it's not going to happen. It's not something that, you know, um, yeah, it, it has to have like this negative connotation, right? But it's just you communicating really your experiences, what your what results you're creating, you know, what you're good at or not. And it's just for them to become aware of who you are, what you're good at and what you can really help with. That's how I exactly. It. Yeah, definitely. And, and if you want to work in a project or you want uh, like a promotion and even if you if they think that you are not ready, then just go and ask for it. And if they say, well, you are not ready, then okay, what do I need? Mm -hmm. What experience do I need in order to be in that position that I want? So yeah, having those conversations. And do you think there's something, uh, especially for Latinas, that there might be, you know, um, lacking or not pushing enough to be more successful and to thrive more? 
Like I feel really many are are staying mm. under the radar just because they're they're um, complying with hierarchies and with rules and and stuff like that. But they have so much more to give. Yeah, I think a couple of things for me um, because you come from a. I'm talking about the Latinas that come to a different country. Mm -hmm. So if you come to a different country, then you somehow are grateful for what you have, which mm -hmm. is great, right? But then it's sort of like a start, you start to become like complacent mm. and be like, oh, yeah, I got this and it's a great opportunity. And I mean, why should I ask for another thing? Why should I ask for more? So it's okay to be grateful for what you have and it's okay to actually want more. So I would say that, like, hmm. that's great. You arrive to another country, you, you are given this opportunity. Oh, actually, it's not that people will give you the opportunity. You are actually looking for it. So you got the opportunity, but if that's not something that you want anymore, then go for the next and continue. Hmm. I love that. So that's the big one. And, and the other thing is also like the community. I, I don't see these very often in the Latinas. And I think we need to be more encouraging mm. and, and supportive and really celebrate each other more. Yes. Like you actually mean it instead of like maybe, um, you know, tearing us down and the superficial uh yeah niceness where you're just like yes. yeah yeah and then the minute you turn around you're like what is she thinking yeah <laughs> exactly so i think really to have a stronger community of latinas like women mm. encouraging and celebrating each other that's huge because i mean the only thing that probably we have in common it's the language yeah so why not like why not and if we are a minority, then then we can help each other. Yeah, totally. And so if there was one message that you would like any woman to know in the world, um, what would that be for you? Mm. I think we are more powerful mm -hmm. than what we give our credit for. Um, did I say that correctly? you are more powerful than the, that you give yourself credit for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think we, yeah, instead of waiting for permission, then just take take it. Mm. And whatever you want, whatever you desire, then just go for it. Because we that. are so resourceful. We are so resourceful. Yeah. we. And I think this is the thing. People really don't... Um, underestimate how many resources or talents or really like great things uh, are inside of them mm. and um, sometimes maybe even uh, let's say scared to to unleash those but this is yes. like, like you mentioned like this is this false false humbleness because this is what I also really truly believe is that you don't serve people if you're playing small Like people could be helped or inspired or whatever value you create with your talent way more. If you play, if you go out there and play out big and like really turn that talent of yours on, like there is no, no limit. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. 
And I mean, everybody has different talents, right? So just go for it. Like people definitely need it. You'll never know who you are going to inspire or who you are going to help with your talent. So definitely go for it. And what would be three, I call it the three uh, nuggets of wisdom. Um, If you could share three pieces of wisdom with your six-year-old self, now that you've experienced so many things in your life and you've seen what you've been able to create until this point, what would be three mm-hmm. piece, three, three things that you would like your six-year-old self to know about life? About mm, I love um, that question. Um, three pieces. I think the first one is definitely the stories that you tell yourself are not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. So always ask for that. Um, the other thing that I would say to myself, like it's it's okay to run your own your own race. Mm. You don't need to compare with anyone. It's 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 your own yeah, it's your own journey, so just enjoy it. Um, and the third one is um, really to have fun. Because life goes very quickly. Mm. So enjoy, have fun. Life is not that serious. That's what I would tell myself. Amazing. Very beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, Claudia, how can people, you know, find you? How can they work with you if they have become really interested in, you know, yourself and what you do? Yeah, like the best way is to find me on my website. Mm-hmm. So it's www.inspiralconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. I'm also uh, on LinkedIn, so Claudia Navarro. And I also have a Facebook, but I'm not that active on that one. So definitely the, the LinkedIn and my website. Awesome. Claudia, I'm so grateful and um, yeah, thankful that you've been part of this. I think uh, so many things that we could learn today with you, not only about, you know, um, let's say struggles and challenges, but also the beauty of, you know, going into the world, but especially, you know, leadership in, with regards to ourselves. And so I'm so happy and thankful that you've been here and you shared all those, you know, learnings and experiences with us. And I'm sure that people got a lot out of this today. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.